Listen, I've had this simmering inside of me for days. Oh, you need to get it out. That is not good for your digestive health. I know, I know. So, guys, I need to start start this off with a quick question. How would you describe 2019? A goddamn circus. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go on. Mm -hmm. Again? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yes, good, good, good. good. (laughs) Caitlin, Caitlin? Um, Blue. All right, all right, yes. Okay. Do you yes. not have your glasses on all year? <laughs> no, I'm making a very specific reference. Well, these were oh. all uh, these were all very good guesses, but the uh, correct answer is that 2019 was a grotesque waking nightmare. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. does that um, well does it's that all- call to mind anything else? Hannah, it's only May. How are, how has it already been a grotesque waking nightmare the whole time? I mean. Come on. That's fair. Anyway, I know what you're getting at, and I feel disingenuous making this as a guess. Okay. (laughs) So I think we should just get to the point here. The Sonic movie with teeth and weirdly svelte Eggman is the Sonic movie that 2019 deserves. Yes. I mean, that's Um, fair. Yes. 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 And we are going to talk, we're going to talk about this, uh, why are we as a society afraid to look ugliness in the face? You know what, Hannah? I'm right there beside you. Thank you. I knew you were I am here for you. Because I can't live like that. Like, they can redo Sonic and they can plaster over his human teeth. And we can all just pretend that everything is fine. <laughs> but things are not fine. And I would rather confront our reality, mm-hmm, no matter how mm-hmm, hideous mm-hmm. and lumpy it is, <laughs> than try to cover it up and smooth it over. Yeah, um, you can't. And you can't hide those legs. You cannot hide humanoid <laughs> legs like that. They're so, meant to be out there. Somebody on Twitter uh, tagged us because um, they pointed out that in the Sonic preview there is a pile of worn through sneakers in the corner. Um, and that we may have to see Sonic's horrible human feet. Yes, so, I am anticipating that. Yeah, I, I want to. I forget who tagged us on Twitter with that. I want to both thank you and also damn you straight to the lowest <laughs> level of hell. Listen, <laughs> why? Why do listen. I have to think about Sonic's feet, Caitlin? Here's I won't listen. I won't listen. Thing. You know, <laughs> you all know that nobody on this earth hates feet more than me. I they're That's disgusting. So also, true. know that nobody here's hates the Sonic more than you. Yeah, I also. But okay. here's the thing. Here's the thing. If there are two things that should be married in hatred, it is Sonic's human feet. <sighs> yeah. You know, I mean, like they. His it's two just feet married <laughs> to each other. <laughs> It's just, it's time. You know what? It's time. It's time that we saw this. You know what? I think think that something we need to explore in this conversation is society's unrealistic beauty standards. (laughs) That's so true. If we start Photoshopping Sonic, where does it end? It's a slippery slope. What's next? Facetune? 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 I don't even... Facetune anybody? What does that word? I don't know what that means. (laughs) Facetune? (laughs) You're just saying words. Say it again. Say it again. Facetune. I'm scared. What is Facetune? It's um, it's an app where you Photoshop yourself. <laughs> but I guess what I'm um, what I'm really trying to get at is um, you know, don't don't cover up and hide uh your problems or your or your human feet. If you yeah. if you need help, you should uh, you should reach out. So happy Mental Health Awareness Month, everybody. Also, can I just I just want to do a quick a quick um proposal that literally every single 
person who they try to get to redo the design uh, for Sonic just quits immediately and doesn't oh, please. take the job. Please. Like, I would just love for every animator to just not, like, just not put up with it. Y'all can animate your own fucking redo of Sonic. Yeah, if you're like, listening. You made, you made this bed and you will now lie in it. Yeah, if you're listening. All animators of the world are if you're Every listening. animator. They can't fucking expect you to redo that shit in however fucking many months. You just call me up. Yeah, I'll just so be real. there. The thing is, too, is like you know that the original character designer gave them like twenty options that were a million yeah. times better than yep. that fucking just like abomination, abomination that the producer chose or possibly yeah. even requested. Yep, yeah. I am sure it was one. It was it was a design by committee thing where there was a good design at the beginning of that, and then they continued to be like, "Well, make his body more human. Mm-hmm. What what's with his mouth? He needs teeth." Why are his teeth and so so sharp? And can I just you don't say, want him to be scary to the kids. They didn't stop to consider just because they could do something that they should. Hey, you guys! You know what we could and should do? Let's play some D and D. Hello, I'm Kat. I'm your DM. I am afraid of Sonic's human feet. Oh, it's, um, okay. It's you now, Noelle. Uh, even though it's all messed up today. Uh, hello, I'm Noelle. I play Fran. I'm a level eight Genasi wizard, and in real life, and um, uh, I don't have anything funny to say about Sonic. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, next to you, Caitlin. <laughs> I'm Caitlin. I play Corbin. I, I think he's a level eight, and he's a human druid. And um, uh, I am going to start a campaign for Cat to create a creature within Estra that looks like human Sonic, uh, so that I can animal handle it <laughs> and uh, turn into that. Jesus. Noelle, cut that out. I don't. I don't want I'm Twitter to campaign. I don't want nope. Twitter to campaign. Keep what it did in. we just talk about? Keep it in. We're not going to be afraid to confront reality. I'm not going to. I'm not going to edit this episode at all. <laughs> <laughs> just. It's just. Uh, you better not say anything effed up, you guys, because it's all going in. It's raw. Oh it's, yeah. It's real. <laughs> hey, also, I think Hannah's the least interested. Oh yeah, that part. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. It's Speaking fine. of, I got confused. I thought Caitlin went last. Because, I know it's it's yeah. it's deeply confusing. I'm so sorry, Hannah. Y- I forgive you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm not cutting any of this out. It's all going in. Good. My name's <laughs> Hannah, and I play Slake. They are level eight half orc fighter, and I was designed by committee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Last time. Uh, you guys went into the red caverns. Cave, caves, caverns. Caverns. It's not getting cat. That will be in the final cut. <laughs> it is not being cut out. No editing. <laughs> this is a no editing episode. Um, I, I just genuinely never remember if I called them caves or caverns. They're both the caverns. Um, so you went into the caverns. Slake, you gave a little cave tour. Uh, you did fail both of your checks to do that cave tour, um, but luckily there weren't many consequences because I didn't plan for you to fail those checks. <laughs> um, 
You had too much faith in me. I had so much faith. Uh, but you did. You showed your friends around the caves. You showed them some cool bugs. You showed them some cool lakes. You showed them some cool slime. Uh, you guys fought a cave monster. There were some illusory doubles on both sides. And then you fell down into some some scary parts of the caves. And you managed to find your way out onto the poisonous red fields. Um, all right, so. Oh, yeah, and Sleek was, like, scouting ahead as a gaseous form. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go ahead and and fly back as a fart and, oh, when do I rematerialize, though? That's do- a great question. I How does that work? I, okay, I'm going to um, fly back as a fart and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just realizing as I get back that I don't know how the reforming works, so I'm gonna just fly around your noses in distress. Okay. Uh, okay, it's like I can... I, I, I sense you in the room. <laughs> <laughs> sense. Mm. Uh, huh? uh, okay. And then um, I say, uh, if, it's, if it's safe ahead, continue to be smelly. If it's not safe, go away from my nose. I, I guess... Oh, this is complicated. I, I, I confuse you by like attempting to do both of those things at once. Mixed results. Mixed results. <laughs> <laughs> Is the danger a monster? Smelly for monster. Non-smelly for poison. Non-smelly. Okay, it's poison, you guys. I've communicated with the spirit. <laughs> Thanks for your hard work, friend. Yeah, that's right. I I took one for the team. <laughs> Does anybody... Okay, so you have resistance to poison. Yeah. We all have goggles and stuff. Mary puts on the goggles and the face mask. And- yeah, so do, so does... Well, Fran puts on the goggles and the face mask, but then she also uh, embubbleifies herself inside mm-hmm. her hair. <laughs> <laughs> Corbin puts on the goggles and the face mask, and he has his protection from poison for the next hour. Okay. All right. How do you think that this would affect Slake a as a gaseous form? How does Slake reform... Do, do they just yeah, have when to wait? Re- I can re- I can just do it whenever. Oh, perfect. Um, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think I need to put on my protective gear while we're still yeah. in here. Yeah. So I, I release the spell when Slake is not being smelly to any of us. So and Slake doesn't reform on top of I was about us. to say. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Slake, you, you tumble into existence again a little ways away, a little ways behind everybody. Holy shit. <laughs> it's cool, right? I mean, yeah, it was pretty cool. Very At cool. the end there, I got a little worried because I wasn't sure how to not be a fart, but... <laughs> Fran struggles with that problem every day. <laughs> Very rude. Are we um, okay to go out in the poison air, Blake? Yeah, I mean, you've all got your gear on. We should be all right. All right, so you guys crawl through this little tiny upsettingly claustrophobic space. I'm loving it. Slake's <laughs> loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Slake's loving it. Gross. Oh, there's one spot that you cross over and it's wet. It's wet and that's not pleasant. Mm. And the wet smells even worse than the rest of it. But you squeeze through and then you see the daylight ahead and you get all get back up onto your feet, brush the poisonous cave dust off your clothes, and walk out into the more poisonous dust. So as you get closer to this source of daylight, you feel the cool breeze of the outside world on your face again, and it is a welcome relief. 
but you also see these motes of red pollen drifting through the air. And as you get closer, you find that you have come out into sort of an overhang. And uh, there's a steep hill up into these fields. And you see the first of the blood red plants and grasses that give this place its name. There are a lot of legends about how this place came to be. Some say it came from Torva upending Bav's bag of planting into the mouth of the volcano. Others say it was dyed red by the blood of the many who fought and died here in Torva's final battle with deceit before the burning of the world. Either way, this is not a place of life anymore. It is a place of only death. When you come up out of your little grotto, as far as the eye can see, all around you is just crimson. The grass is a about waist high and it is blood red. There are trees with red bark and red leaves. There are flowers that are redder than any roses you've ever seen. It's beautiful, especially against the clear blue autumn sky with the white capped mountains in the distance. But it is also terrifying. And against that backdrop of mountains, you do see one long jagged spike, a red tower sprouting from the distance. Hmm. Well, I guess we start towards that tower. Should we be testing the ground in front of us in case it's unstable? Yeah, if it's Swiss cheese. Yeah. Thinking. That's a great thought. Well done. Learned some lessons from... I hate crevasses. Crevasses. <laughs> 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 you did fall down two of those yeah, already, didn't you? Sure did. And we also had to record, re-record that episode. Yeah, we did. So like, it felt like I fell down at least five crevasses. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Yeah, that was uh, oh, oh, a good time. I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, so Fran, you have learned. You've learned your lesson. You test the ground before you. Mm. And occasionally, that a couple of times, that really does save you as the ground just slips under feet foot mm. and you guys are able to find another path around as you walk you kick up clouds of this toxic red pollen which obscure your vision and stick to your clothes and your hair fran your water hair immediately turns pink and then it starts to itch and burn <gasps> okay fine i just draw my hair and i'm bald now whatever <laughs> bald. fine bald by choice does the no, not by choice <laughs> by necessity does the air smell like anything up here cat it has that same sort of metallic smell without the sour milk smell. Okay, I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like old blood. Hmm. Seems fine. <laughs> I love that. Normal smell. Uh, after about, I don't know, about an hour of walking towards this tower, your walking starts to get a lot more difficult. And then it gets, like, just arduous. Like, every step you are pulling against, like, the ground is just trying to suck you down into it. I'm going to have you all make perception checks. Ugh. You're about halfway to the tower at this point. It's been an hour. You've gone a, probably about a mile, mile and a half. I got a uh, 14. I only got an 11. Okay. I got also 11. Okay. You're fine. You guys keep going. Um, oh, wait, but we're having bug. trouble walking, right? You are. Okay, hold on. How far are we from um, the tower at this point? You've, you're about halfway, so you guys have gone about a mile, mile and a half. You have another about mile and a half left to go. Is it like, are the plants holding on to us, or is it more of like a, does it feel more like just a, yeah, like a gravity thing where it's like a force? Yeah, yeah it feels like you something is grabbing you. 
Like Cause a, if it's uh, if it has to do with the plants or the terrain, I'm pretty sure it doesn't affect me as a druid. Oh, yeah, but no, it's still affecting you. Okay, so that doesn't. It's not the plants or the terrain, you guys, because I this shit's fucking tripping me the hell up. Oh, so it's some sort of magic, probably. Which one? Uh, which one do you roll lowest? I wasn't paying attention. Uh, me and Slake both rolled the same. Okay, well. Uh, Corbin, after you make that observation, mm-hmm. it's not the plants, uh, you and Slake both get sucked down onto your backs as vines wrap around your ankles. It's magic plants! Oh, God! <laughs> uh, and you are both going to take... Corbin, you take four. Slake, you take nine poison damage as you are pulled into this field of pollen. And, uh... Everybody roll initiative. Oh, jeez. And uh, Slake and Corbin, you are going to roll initiative at disadvantage because you are restrained. I got a 13. Okay. I got a 15. Okay. 11. All right. So a humanoid figure made of slithering red vines rises from the floor of this field. And it begins constricting you, uh, Corbin. Okay. And... 11 damage to you. And uh, now it is Fran's turn. I'm going to cast Mage Armor on myself. Good call. Yeah, smart. Smart. Smart, My AC goes up. Great. Gorbin, you're next. You are restrained. Um, So I'm going to cast Speak with Plants. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it gives me the ability to control regular-ass plants. Oh, um, Ish. And it gives me the ability to speak with plant creatures that are in the area as if we shared a common language. I gain no ability to influence it, though. Okay. Um, so I want to cast that, and I want to ask the plant creature, what do, you, what do you want from us? All you hear is a horrible screaming noise. It seems like if it has any type of language or ability to communicate with you, it has lost it. Do you need help? You seem upset. Actually, you do get two words out of this. You get two words. You die. It seems fucking crazy and it wants to kill us, you guys. Really? Thanks for that update, Corbin. You're welcome, friend. <laughs> All right, uh, Corbin... And now it's Mary's turn. Mary's turn. Uh, she's going to cast Protection from Poison on Slake. Nice. She's got to run forward and uh, touch Slake on their head. And this will neutralize poison if you're poisoned. It's the same thing Corbin has cast on him. Thanks, Mary. And I grab her little hand. Aww. And it gives you a thumbs up. And now it is Slake's turn. All Slake, right. you are restrained. Cool. So can I roll to, like, fight against that? Or what is that? How does that affect Yeah, me? you can roll a strength saving throw. Okay. 15, yeah. Yeah, you're able to break free of the restraint. Okay, I'm going to try to slash at them with the picks. Okay. 13. That will do it. Okay, sweet. 13. Yes. All right. Doesn't love that. It gives out another horrible scream. And Corbin, you, you can hear what it's saying. It's saying, die. And now it is the Blight's turn again, and it is going to, um, well, it's just going to keep squeezing on Corbin, because uh, it still has Corbin in its grasps. Sounds like you're its main squeeze. <laughs> I want to leave this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. Corbin, it is going to squeeze another 
10 points of damage out of you. Cool. I'm just slowly dying. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And also, uh, it is going to attempt to poison you again. Roll a CV resist. 21. Okay. Yep. You are not poisoned. You're fine. Okay. All right. Now it is Fran's turn. So I am going to reach out and cast Witch Bolt. Witch Bolt? <laughs> the, fucking time. The very bolt that comes from my spell. <laughs> Uh, so a beam of crackling blue energy lances out towards it and connects to it, and I send a surge of lightning through it. So that is over 20. All right, that hits. Uh, I'll cast it as a, a third level spell. Okay. So that's going to do 18 damage. All right, it explodes. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and uh, lots of little wispy pieces of vine float down to the ground around you. Nice one, Fran. No problem. Um, do we see other movement in the grass? You sure do. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so in light of that, I do have the spell that I cast already. Um, can, hold on. Does it seem like the spots where things are moving, like they're moving, but they're in a, like a stationary position or are they moving towards us or away from us? They are rapidly advancing towards you. Okay. Well, fuck. Okay, so this is kind of like a unavoidable it's, situation. Right, it's not like we avoid that. Okay. I wonder how they feel about fire. Are there normal-ass fucking plants around here too, Kat? Everywhere, yeah. Okay, I'm going to use, because my spell is still active, so I'm going to use those and I'm going to tell them to like fucking restrain as much as possible against the creatures coming in. So they can basically make it difficult terrain for other creatures mm. or non-difficult terrain for us. Sure, so you are able to do that. You, a path opens up in front of you. Nice. Uh, allowing you just all the way to the tower in the distance. Dope. And uh, behind you, you see 10 more red vine men emerge from the ground and begin. They're advancing towards you, but they're, they're having trouble as the bushes and the grass hold them back. And we're just booking yeah, let's it. Yeah, yeah, book. yeah, yeah, we're going to go. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys run and you sprint as fast as you can. Will you make a perception check for me, please? Mary sees everything. She got a natural 20. I got an unnatural 20. Okay. I got a 12. Okay. I got a nine. Okay. So uh, Fran and Mary both see as you guys, you, they come up just, just step short as the ground gives way right in front of this tower to a cliff. Corbin and Slake do not. And you guys charge right and off this cliff. I turn into a crow. Okay. Well, you're fine. Um, I try to grab Slake with my little claws. But <laughs> you don't fall far, Slake. You fall down like 10 feet. Oh. It's not too bad, but it, okay. it's, it hurts. It's not a great time for, for good old Slakey. And uh, you do take five points of damage. Oh, man. You see now that the tower is not actually sitting on the level plane of the field. It is sunken into a overhang. And uh, there is a narrow set of steps to one side that leads down to the broken in door of this tower. Around the base of this tower, you see there are a lot of old weapons, ancient weapons that have been rusted away by the pollen and the time. Uh, as you guys head down, you see the broken door of this tower, a massive thing that was made centuries ago. One side still hangs on its hinge, while the other is nothing more than a pile of rubble, which blocks your way. 
You hear the screaming noises of the vine men as they continue to slither towards your position here. I want to climb over the rubble. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stay a bird as long as I can because this is my last transformation ability. Yeah. So you Okay, so you guys climb over the rubble. You scrabble up the embankment and into the tower and it it's like the noise of the outside world just vanishes. Hmm. It is absolutely silent in here. Inside the tower is an entirely white stone antechamber. You leave a trail of red dust and footprints behind you as you walk around the room. There are ancient rusted weapons littering the floor and the remains of the people who once held them. The bones are bleached white as the rest of this room and the tattered remains of their clothes show two banners. A white eye on black tabards and the all too familiar broken tower. Hmm. Rust brown stains climb the walls of the tower, showing an outline of a battle that raged up along the walls in a spiral. As you approach the center of the room, a ghostly apparition appears. It is a figure dressed entirely in white and wearing a draping hooded robe. The speaker of truth awaits the listener. There are no stairs, by the way. You don't see okay. any stairs upward, although you do see... But we see the evidence that there were one stairs? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we could roll for this, but since we know it as players already, do we do we know that this is related to Pavia? You know enough about Pavia to know that she had an order that were called listeners. You know that she was the one who spoke the truth. You know all that stuff. All that mm. good stuff. I feel like we have to tell the truth. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. But I also feel like <laughs> the truth is bad. Well, I mean, what is the truth? The truth is that we're not listeners. <laughs> oh, like like a listener. You can't like just be the like order. a order, right? Yeah. yeah, you can't just be a good listener because it's not really lying if you're like I'm a good listener. Yeah, <laughs> well, for some listener. of us, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not for Slate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we wish to hear the truth. The sending does nothing. Uh, I will say, I've said that, like, before in my dreams to Pavia. Didn't get me very far. Corbin, Corbin, after you speak, the apparition nods and moves its hand to one side. And a set of stairs extends from the wall, oh. spiraling up the stone tower. The stairs were white once, but they are stained with dried blood. You must have a special connection with Pavia, then, because of your dreams? I mean, I guess. Oh, it's yucky, okay. <laughs> this is someone's home, Fran! I don't think that the interior designer intended for the dried blood, but okay. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Everyone has their own taste. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's so true, Slake. <laughs> uh, Mary signs, I think this is to my dad's taste. <laughs> Corbin laughs as a bird and it sounds horrible. <laughs> it's a waka 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 waka. Yeah. Okay, I think we start up the stairs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, at the top of these stairs, there is another broken door, and inside there are more skeletons from both sides. A path through the Carnage leads to an exquisite bower, a huge bed draped in spiderweb fine silks. Mary gasps and she puts her hands over her mouth because spread across the bed is a perfectly preserved body, bone white, dressed in white, soaked in blood as white as milk. 
There's a wound in her stomach, and her hands are folded over it. But the body has no head. And then Mary's eyes flash pure gold, and she collapses to the ground. Oh, I run to Mary. Same. Uh. Mary is asleep. Oh, Jesus Christ. Corbin, go to sleep, go Cor- to sleep! Cor- Cor- <laughs> Corbin turns back into a person and says, I'm too scared somebody cast sleep on me. Uh, Mary's the one who can cast sleep. Fuck! Um, uh, hit, hit Corbin in the head! Somebody hit me! Are you sure? Do it, coward! Okay. <laughs> Knock me out. All right, you not Corbin <laughs> I don't have many hit points left. It's not hard. <laughs> Damn. You just bash Corbett's head with a rock. I don't know. I mean, you can do it with, like, the, the hilt of your pants. Yeah, pick. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Wowzers. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to knock out your friend. Yeah, it's true. And I sit down on the ground uh, between them, and I cast Magic Circle. Nice. To give them, um, basically makes them stronger against gods. Oh, cool. Damn. Good, good. Um, Corbin, when you awaken your dreams, you are sitting in front of a campfire. Uh, there is a woman sitting across from you. She is wearing a black tabard with a white eye on the front and black pearl earrings set in silver. She looks up at you and then sort of looks behind you and says, are your friends coming? Uh, it's all right. They can go to sleep here, too. Oh, they're idiots. They never. They won't do it. <laughs> They'll never figure that out. <laughs> well, you better go get them then. I just got. Is this Pavia? No, it's not Pavia. What? Who? It's just a woman. You Wait. know Pavia. She looks crazy. She's like okay, all white. Right. You she just saw looking... her body. Yeah, yeah she doesn't have I a know, head now. But like, this is a dream. Yeah, no. Uh. I just got knocked out. So like, I don't know. If I can wake up? Wait, where's Mary? She's with the Speaker of Truth. I have some other things to show you. Okay, who the fuck are you? (laughs) I'm, well, I'm the last of our order. Until you. Corbin points at himself. Points right at his boob window. I'll explain more once you get your friends. God damn, okay, how do I wake up? You know how. And then you wake up. Uh, Corbin, you idiot! Go back to sleep! He's bleeding. <laughs> Corbin's bleeding from the back of his head. And he says, Y'all, I had to wake up or I was gonna get brain damage. You guys knocked me right the fuck out. Oh, man! I'm sorry, Corbin! Also, you gotta go to sleep, too. There's a, there's some, like, lady down there. She's, like, a cool, like, listener. I'm, like, a cool listener now, too, and she, she wants to talk to all of us. She, Mary's fine. She's with Pavia, I think. She wants us to sleep in the room with the dead body? Yeah. Get over it, Fran. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, uh, I take out my bedroll. <laughs> yeah. Take out your bedroll. Come. Get your teddy bears. I do the same. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and the whole time I'm like giving Corbin these looks like, oh, I don't fucking like this. Like, <laughs> Corbin shrugs his shoulders every time you give him that look. I change into my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> you slowly, need some warm milk, Fran. Slowly and passive aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> I tuck myself into bed. 
I, I retrieve Darius from Mary's pocket mm-hmm. and I cuddle him up against me and, oh. and I and Darius, back to try Darius to says but friend friend danger friend friend uh oh wait friend, friend. snacks <laughs> um sure tell we, him to bite you we gotta go to bed buddy if, if there's danger oh that okay that's a good plan yeah if, if something's up just just pinch me real hard and wake me up, okay? Friend, look out, friend. Aw, Darius. Thanks, buddy. I reach out from my from my bedroll and make Mary more comfortable. Uh, Corbin lays down on the floor on his back with his arms perfectly straight and his legs perfectly straight, <laughs> and he closes his eyes. All right. You guys have a surprisingly easy time falling asleep here. Mm-hmm. I'm so angry that I had to get knocked out. That <laughs> <laughs> was so funny. It though. was really good. I love that it was for literally no reason. <laughs> hello, fool! Hello, fools, and also non-fools, but less lesser hello to you. It's a fool majority. Hello from me, Noel. A documented fool. It's me, Noel. <laughs> uh, I hope you're enjoying this lovely episode. I think Kat really is just showing off her storytelling chops in this one, and you're only halfway through, so get ready for the rest. <laughs> uh, and also, make sure to show Kat lots of love, because wow, you know? Just wow. Kat, you're the best. Let's kick it off with a lovely little message from the store, and that is from Brian Sky, the science guy. Brian says, Molsky, my love, my liege, my best friend, my lifesaver, and the Leica to my slake. Here is a song for you. And um, this is out of the message, but I can't stress enough that this is the only song I will ever do. I'm never going to do this again, so please do not go buy an ad expecting me to, to, to make up a song for you because I'm not going to do it. It's a one-time deal. Molsky, you're the best. And now in your nest there's a shark smart and I will teach all these jokes to your baby baby that's great okay Brian continues congratulations on bringing new life into this world while finishing your master's in conflict resolution and also winning employee of the year at your job and also creating a beautiful and welcoming home for your family and community. You're a rock star and I love you to the moon and back. Wow, Brian, you really did it. Again, this is the only song I'm going to do. I will not start a machine. I don't know how to stop. No more songs. That's it. 
Thanks, Brian, for buying buying an ad. <laughs> Actually, you know what? While we're at it, let's let's here's a little song for D and D Beyond as well. D and D Beyond. Wow. They're a sponsor for Dames and Dragons. And they're also the official digital tool set and game companion for Dungeons and Dragons. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. A better world where all the little kids can play Dungeons and Dragons together and they don't have to get lost in the book or get lots of paper cuts because they don't know how to turn the pages of a book. They can get on their iPad, their phone, their desktop computer, and they can look up the rules. They can create their character sheet without ever touching a sheet of paper. And they did that with D&D Beyond. Thank you for sponsoring our podcast. Can't stress enough that these are just the only songs I will ever do. Let's talk about Elderwood Academy. Elderwood Academy are uh, are also our sponsors for this episode. Elderwood Academy, they're artisans who craft amazing gaming products, including dice towers, dice trays, dice boxes, deck boxes, dice, and more. All of these gaming products are, in fact, crafted to look like spellbooks, scroll cases, codexes, and other awesome fantasy gear, just in case your dice, deck boxes, dice trays might be um, just contraband wherever you are. You can be like, no, 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 papa, this isn't dice. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a scroll that I received from the temple, you know, or whatever other thing you have to say to your papa to make him just lay off you so you can play Dungeons & Dragons. And you know what? They speaking of clandestine dice storage, they have a little keychain where you can like stick little tiny little dice into it and it it magnetically shuts and it's like hangs from your keys. So you can never be caught, you know what I mean? Like if you meet your rival out on the road and they're like, "Hey, stinkhead, why don't you play D&D with me right now?" You don't have to be like, "Oh, I left my dice at home." You can be like, "I'll never give up t- to you. I have the power of friendship on my side." And that's why you should go to elderwoodacademy.com to find that product and many more. That's elderwoodacademy.com slash don't split. Thank you so much. I also want to thank our lovely new patrons and increasing patrons as well for today. Thank you to Chris, Lauren, Jacuzzi, Sarah, Eloise, Mattias, Matthias, and Cassandra. Thank you guys so much. And also thanks to our wonderful iTunes reviewers. That goes out to Jocelyn Hale, Kristen Espinosa, Quintanamos, and Araceli, Winky Catface. Thank you guys so much for your reviews. Quintanamos, I see that you're the person who said that I don't plan my mid-rolls. And as you can tell by this one, you were so wrong. And I just... Accept your apology. <laughs> Thank you so much for reviewing. Last of all, Chantel. The code word for today is Dalek Party. We might have used that code word before, but this code word was so nice that we had to use it twice. Unless we didn't, I can't quite remember. That's Dalek Party with an underscore between those two words. The sleeper agent is active. Go.
guys are you guys fall asleep almost instantly and then you are all sitting at that fire in this weird sort of dreamy foggy space that Corbin you're you're pretty familiar with but uh for the rest of you it's it's a new experience yeah I'm like looking around and I see the the lady and I go ah (laughs) (laughs) and the, the woman raises her hand in greeting and she says peace I mean you no harm I'm sorry that we had to meet here, but I'm afraid that our power is no longer what it once was. And she stands up and she says, come, I have things to show you. Yes! Corbin jumps to his feet. <laughs> so this is, this is, we're in dream rules right now. So you guys can do anything, but you do have to roll a wisdom save. Okay. And I will tell you how close you are to doing the thing you say you're going to do. So we can do dream stuff? This is a dream. Yeah. It takes some practice. I'm not good at it. Oh, man. Does that apply to just, like, moving or, like, doing, like, wild stuff? Any any wild stuff. You can okay. just move around normally. All right, cool. Um, you can actually even move around abnormally. You can fly. It's a dream. Oh, God. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> Does Fran immediately fly? <laughs> yeah, well, Fran wants to swim. Oh, okay. All right. Can I swim in the air? Uh, why don't you roll? Well, that's a wild thing, so we'll have you roll for that. That is a wild thing. And no, I cannot. <laughs> Fran, you, like, start to, like, jump to swim in the air, and you just fall down. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to sprout, like, beetle wings and fly <gasps> around. Okay. Mm, that's cool. Oh, it's just a 10. It's a 10. You sprout beetle wings, but they are proportionally sized to what a beetle would have. <laughs> you don't make them slate proportion, so you just have these tiny little beetle wings on your back. Oh. Well, that's still cool. All right. The woman, she laughs and she says, my name is Mara. It is truly a pleasure to meet you all. Come on. And uh, she starts walking away from the fire. As you follow her, the world fills itself in around the path that you're walking. You are in a forest that for Fran and Corbin, you recognize this forest. It's home. It's the great forest. Mm. But it's not the one that you knew. It's younger and greener and much quieter. You've done well to come here, the woman says. You've spent far too long wandering around in the dark, guessing at half-truths, but it is time for the facts to be revealed. She stops in a river, and you see a scene that Fran has watched before. Hmm. It is Corva, collapsed in the water, and Kai, a human girl, setting the river loose on the sons of deceit. The woman, Mara, she looks at you, Fran, and she says, you've seen this before, haven't you? Um, yeah, I... So what exactly is this place? Is this like another plane? Are these our physical forms? It's a dream, What Fran. type? What type of Fran. magic is this? Fran, it's a dream. Yeah, it... but like it's magical, so it can be quantified. <laughs> no, it's a dream, Fran. <laughs> Shut up, Corbin, I'm not asking you. <laughs> Mara laughs and she says... It is a dream. It cannot be quantified. But it is a space. In the world you inhabit, it is what they know as the world of what is. And this is part of the world that is not. Hmm. So, what's happening here? And I point to Kai and Torva. This is what I wanted to show you. Is this what didn't happen or what did? It's a good question. But 
It is a truth that has been used to manipulate you. They're both liars, but this is the truth of how they first met. She shrugs and keeps walking. (laughs) So, you've seen this before, Fran. Yeah, hey, hold on. What's going on? You didn't tell us you saw this shit? I... I don't know... Franika! (laughs) I don't know what comes out of the journal that's real and what comes out of the journal that's not real. This is the part that Torva showed me. Well, apparently it was real. But what does it mean? Um, I'll just uh, pull out my guide to dream interpretation and I'll let you know. (laughs) Amara calls over her shoulder. She says, come on, there's more to see. Oh, God. (laughs) And uh, she splashes through the river as the scene continues to play out behind you. The river comes up. It swallows the forest. It swallows the men. And Kai revives Torva, pulling black sludge from his mouth. And then it fades behind you. And here, the implication, I would guess, is that that's happening when the Great Forest is on the ground. This is before mm-hmm. Estra was raised. You okay. got a, got a good, good head on your shoulders there, Fran. Mm. Franica the wise. <laughs> the forest fades away, and now you are in a tower which the last time you saw, it was overgrown and in disrepair. It's the Forest Temple, where Fran and Corbin had your first trial. But here it is new, and you see a long line of people stretching out the great doors of the temple, each holding offerings. And there is Kai, no longer a girl, now she is a goddess, and she's surrounded by her companions. Fenrir, large as this room, growls. Moonen perches high above. Sir Nunus lowers his head. He stamps his hoof. Kai is holding a black sword in her hands. Torva kneels in front of her, looking up with adoration. I have brought you the sword of the slain god Belius. I wish for you to use it to bring death to your enemies. And Kai's face contorts with rage and she brings the sword down across Torva's neck. His black blood oozes on the floor. She flings the sword aside and Moonen swoops down, catching it in her talons and flying out the window. Your wish is granted, Kai says. My enemy is dead. And Mara pauses to look at this scene. There's always truth in legend, she says. This one, she did not lie about. But there's more to the story. The next scene you walk through, you are in Pavia's tower. From before the fields were red, there is a mob screaming for Pavia's blood. And then from the topmost balcony, you hear a voice. The truth will never die, but you will, for you cannot take that which is freely given. And the body of Pavia is dropped from the tower. The mob, now calm, now horrified, now weeping. And Torva dives down after the broken body. He is enraged. He takes his sword and begins to saw off her head. The truth will never speak again. He says this as he works. When he is done, he vanishes, covered in the white blood and taking the head with him. The mob carries Pavia's body up to her bower again. 
and they arrange her there. And Mara looks at the body and shakes her head. This was the end of truth in this world. I'm sorry that you have to see it. She moves on to the next scene that you walk through, the world melting away and reforming around her. And this time, when you see Kai, you know that it's Kai not because of her face, but because of her symbols. She's a different woman now. This is a different life, a different vessel. She's standing on a barren volcanic rock with another woman. They're standing over a body. What manner of creature are you? The woman asks. And Kai smiles. I don't rightly know, she says. I suppose I'm the god of sacrifice. Your guide moves on from this, but when you look back, you see the woman that Kai was speaking with plunge a bone knife into the body at their feet. When Kai named herself, Mara says, she set in motion the prophecy that Pavia spoke. For he cannot take that which is freely given. He could not have a sacrifice. And that is all he ever wanted. It created a contradiction which could not be resolved, and it has driven him mad ever since. And you are then standing in the goddess's throne room on Estra. She's standing on her balcony, and Torva is at her side. He grabs her hand, and she pulls away. I'm tired of this, she says. He takes her hand and brings it to his lips. And then the scene restarts. I'm tired of this, she says. He takes her hand and she pulls away. I'm tired of this, she says. He grabs her and he kisses her. Mara watches this and says, they're all true and none of them are is what they both wish had happened in this meeting. He wishes that she knew how much he loved her. She wishes she was strong enough to turn him away. I'm tired of this, Kai says. We all are, says Torva. But no matter which of us win, it will all end soon. You will choose a champion, and I will choose a champion and we will leave the rest to fate. And Kai takes her hand away. I know that you'll cheat, she says. So I ask one more thing. Name it. You will have a son soon, Kai says. I know this. You will let me name him. <laughs> What's up? Mara smiles and she says, Kai was not as old or as wise as Torva, but she planned for this game as well as she could. You walk through Estra next, the fall of Estra, the pieces of rubble falling through the night sky. And then it melts away and you are standing on a cliff by a lighthouse. The place where the ocean is the sky and the stars. And sitting on the cliff, there is a woman, dressed in white, her skin as pale as bone, her hair long and silver as cobwebs. Mary is sitting next to her, and the two seem to be talking. Mara stands a bit back. That is Pavia, the revealer, and your friend. 
who does not yet have a name. She does have a name, and it's Mary. Her name is Mary! <laughs> and then I run towards Mary. Uh, Mara grabs your arm. She says, give them a minute. <laughs> You've seen much. Tell me, what do you take from it? I have more questions than I have answers. <laughs> Mara laughs. She says, that is reasonable. And... <laughs> um, one of the entries in Kai's journal, she kept asking the question, who is the winner? And that's what this brings to mind. If they're fighting, what happens when one of them wins? And why does one of them have to win? Those are great, great questions, Mara says. And some of them we know the answers to and some we do not. We do not know what their goals are. They've hidden them so well that not even Pavia's light of truce can shine on them. But we know that they did not have the resources available to accomplish their goals. And that is why they created your friend. Somehow, they will use her to do what they need to do, whatever that is. What if we kill them first? Mara lets out a bark of laughter. (laughs) Oh, I dearly hope to see you do this, but I cannot say what will happen. Neither are gods whose existence is intrinsic to this world. We do not need conquerors. We do not need sacrifices. Who knows what happens if one of them dies? I am interested to find out. I also wonder... Who are the champions? You can replay any part of what you've seen using your dream powers. Oh. You guys remember, you're in the realm of dreams. Oh my gosh. You can replay. Yeah, or you can try and find something else, too. Yeah, if we go back to the scene where they talked about champions, Mm -hmm. would it be possible to try to watch more of that scene? Why don't you roll a wisdom check? Oh, I got a 16. With a 16, you can watch a little bit more. Hmm. You you take a step back and you, Fran, you're, you're back in that scene. And you hear them say, you will choose a champion. And I will choose a champion. And Kai says her line, I will choose the name of your son. And Torva narrows his eyes and he smiles and he says, I grant you this boon. You will need an advantage, I suppose. And Kai shakes her head and she says, I'm stupid for doing this. I'm stupid. But but you have no other choice, Torva says. And he puts a hand on her face and tilts it towards him. Says, one way or another, my love, it will all be over soon. And uh, then the scene ends. I, I look at Fran and then I look at, at Mara back and forth and I, I say, who are they to each other? Is, is this just like a game for them? Mara shrugs. They've been many things to one another over their very long lives. It used to be hard for me to comprehend it. The lifespan of a god. It is forever. Kai is young. 
by the standards of the gods. She is a mere 2,000 years old. And Torva has been with her since the very beginning. That's a long time for enemies to lovers to lovers to enemies fanfiction. <laughs> yeah, I just want to cycle through that. <laughs> just go back and forth. Enemies to lovers, enemies to lovers, enemies to lovers, enemies to lovers. Enemies, lovers, enemies, lovers. <laughs> they have always wanted something from one another. Well, Torva has always wanted something from Kai. And she has never been able to give that to him. For you cannot take that which is freely given. And he couldn't just move on, huh? It's Torva. I mean, technically, everyone on Estra was a champion of the goddess. Yes, I don't believe that this arrangement was quite like that. If they've set up rules, then they've spoken them into existence. They each chose one person to help them. So, Well, I've had both Guy and Torva tell me I was, like, chosen, so I love that. I fucking love that. <laughs> I sure hope we're not sacrifices to Torva, and I sure hope Mary's not a sacrifice to Torva. My thing is, though, if they both chose you as a champion, that seems like that can't be... I have to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) What if... Like, that accomplishes nothing. Well, but Torva said that all of us were good choices. All of us guardians. Did they both pick Mary? That seems dumb. But they're fighting over her, aren't they? Mary is not their champion. Mara cuts in. She's their daughter. And she is something else entirely. Yeah. And she's Mary. And they both decided to do this. They did. Can we watch Mary's birth? Sick friend. Well You disgust me. <laughs> oh. Alright, why don't you roll? Roll wisdom. Can I watch it by myself without Corbin? <laughs> oh now Corbin has to watch. I got 23. I got more than that. So Corbin's coming with. <laughs> so I, I got fucking four, so I, I don't have to witness the birth, I guess. It's like you're, you, you're like trying to go there, but instead you end up like you're a tiny ant inside the colony of a bun- like a bunch of bigger ants. Oh. You've gone somewhere else entirely. You're watching the birth of an ant civilization. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but... Corbin and Fran, you are transported to the goddess's bedroom, and attendants run in and out with warm basins of water that are tinged pink with blood and bandages. And there is Kai as you last saw her, the last face she had. And she is screaming and crying. And then there is another wailing another voice and Kai grows frenzied and then stops as you see her attendants plunge a knife into her heart and you recognize the attendant she has her veil pulled back it's it's Cecilia and when the body of Kai has finally stopped screaming everybody is quiet for a moment and then Cecilia casts down her knife and says, hand the baby to me. They set the baby down on a stone table and begin to paint golden marks on her skin. The same ones that Mary wore all the time in Estra. And then the baby stops crying. It continues to thrash. Its face is still scrunched up. The pain and the fear of being born 
but its voice is gone. And then Cecilia says, leave us. And the other attendants take a few steps back and Cecilia glares at them and says, the goddess asked me to do this, please leave us. And the others leave. And it is Cecilia alone with this baby. And then she starts painting other symbols on the babe. And when she's done, she takes a step back. She takes off her veil. She puts her head in her hands and cries. And then you're back in by the lighthouse. And Slake, you're back and you have had a great time. <laughs> you saw the birth of an ant colony. Wow. And I don't know about Corbin, but Fran is just like staring into the middle distance. Yeah, Corbin's kind of like processing. What did you guys see? Childbirth is not a miracle. <laughs> I mean, we will tell Slake what we saw but maybe when they painted the original symbols the baby was supposed to either a continue crying or b become the goddess and be like an adult baby that's what i'm (laughs) well that's what i'm thinking is like the symbols were supposed to like be helping the transference of the goddess's like consciousness or whatever and it clearly didn't work yeah well cecilia knew what she was doing yeah whatever it was yeah and she didn't love it she cried afterwards she was the one that worked for Torva, right? I mean, apparently she could have worked for Torva and Kai, but yes, yeah. she worked for Torva. And not and the one that was Torva. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's yeah. the one that we saw in Torva's jaw. Who didn't tell Torva that we were there. Yeah. Did the goddess, did Kai want what happened with Mary to happen? It kind of seems like maybe. That's a hard maybe. I think it's time for you to speak with your friend, Mara says, looking over at Pavia and Mary. And Mary has looked back, and she sees the three of you. And she smiles, and she waves you over. Oh, God. Oh, I bound. Hey, Mary! I bound! Uh, she she stands up, and I assume you're you're. Bounding. Oh, we're going for a hug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, we're going right for that hug. She gives you a big hug. And she says, and she speaks, her mouth doesn't move, but you hear the voice that you hear whenever she uses ascending. Mm. And she speaks and she says, you're here. I'm so glad. I wasn't sure what was going on at first, but this is Pavia. And Pavia stands up as well, and she is eight feet tall. Oh, God, I knew it. Damn. So cool. (laughs) I I only have to say that much because you're like, oh, a tall woman. I'm in love. (laughs) Eight feet. Oh, my God. Anyway, she is eight feet tall and graceful and imposing and a little unsettling to look at as she is as white as the naked truth. Corbin wants to shake her hand. Yeah, she shakes your hand. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, you guys. Corbin, be respectful. I'm so sorry, 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 sorry. Handshakes are respectful. Fuck you. Slake's right. Fuck you, Brad. Vivia laughs and says, I trust that Mara has shown you what you needed to know. And I have given Mary that which she needs to know. I will now grant each of you a boon of truth for the good work you have done so far. Ask me one question, and I will tell you that which you must know, as far as it is in my power to tell you. Oh, jeez. 
Did oh. Mary already get a boon of truth, or did she get one too? Oh, Mary is. She's asked her questions yeah, to okay. Pavia. Okay, let's uh, let's go individually then. Who wants okay. to go first? <laughs> Want to go first, Lake? Okay. Um. All right. Well, Vioni was the one who sent me to help the others. What exactly was the relationship between Vioni and Kai? Pavia takes your hand, Slake, and the two of you step a few paces away from the rest of the group, walking out over the edge of the cliff and into the air. And the scene changes around you again, and you are standing in a cave. And in this cave, there is a woman hanging from chains suspended over an opening in the bottom of the cave. And through that opening, you see the sky. And there's Kai standing in front of this woman. And the woman's face changes then. It morphs and twists into the face of a different woman, an older woman. One that is reminiscent of the orc you saw who sent you, a Vioni. Then Pavia puts a hand on your shoulder and says, Kai would tolerate no other gods. She was human once, and saw what the gods did to humans. But Vioni was scared. She was Torva's lover once, too. And so she fled to the one place of protection that was left when Torva began to burn the world. And she ascended with that forest of protection. And Kai never forgave her for that. But neither did she turn Vioni over to Torva. Until Torva found her on his own. And the scene shifts and you see the woman who was once suspended above the opening in the sky... And she is running through the forest, pursued by a man. And that man catches her. He grabs her around the throat and slams her down. And you see just the glint of his black teeth. And Pavia says, He forced her out of that vessel. Once she had escaped Kai's prison and lived freely among the Estrans for hundreds of years. Torva found her, and he cast her out of her vessel, cast her out of the world that is, and sent her back to the world that is not. And that is as good as death for many of us. So Vioni wanted her revenge, and she could not work directly with Kai, but she did what she could from afar until the opportunity presented itself for her to work more directly. Do I answer your question? I think so. You are her instrument in this world, young guardian. Use your power wisely. For Vioni is the god of scavengers. And there is no moral compass for a scavenger. <laughs> and then uh, you are walking back over the edge of the cliff. Pavia extends her hand to you, Fran. Next. What question do you wish to ask? I. What I really want to know is I take out the journal that was left for me. Yeah, and you sort of just pull that out of nowhere because this is a dream world. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And I say, this was Kai's journal, but Torva has used it to communicate with me as well. Why was it left for me? An excellent question. And Pavia, she takes your hand and walks you off the cliff. And Corbin and Slake, you guys just sort of see them fade into a mist. But Fran, you see the goddess sitting at a desk. And she closes the book, her book, your book. And Pavia says, she left it for you. Because you were the one she chose to represent her. To fight for her. You were supposed to receive it, but, well, Kai planned as well as she could. And you see an attendant in a deer veil come in, and that attendant pushes her veil aside and says a few words to the goddess, and you see it's Cecilia again. And the goddess places the book in Cecilia's hands. She puts her hands over Cecilia's, and you hear her say, you must give it to her as soon, as soon as she's chosen. I want her to know, I want her to know why all of this is happening. Tell me you'll do this. And Cecilia nods, but she looks away. And as to your other question, I see what you did. You asked two questions instead of one. <laughs> I, I pat my temple and point at her. <laughs> that is a much more difficult question to answer. And one which the truth has been concealed for so long that I cannot see it clearly. Hmm. But what I know is this. Torva knew who Kai had chosen. And he took steps to interfere. For he plays by no rules but his own. And then uh, she, she walks you back. And Corbin, she holds out her hand to you last. Um, Kai and Torva were fighting over Mary in that dream. And Torva has a physical body here on Earth still. But Kai, we kind of thought, was dead somehow. But she's clearly not super dead if she can fight. So where is she? And I guess, how is that going to affect Mary? Vivia nods and she takes your hand and walks you into your dream space. But she doesn't show you any scene. The two of you are just standing there looking out at this fog and she says, All of us exist both in the world that is and the world that is not. For me, the place where I exist in the world that is not is in dreams. For others, it is their own realms. Kai lives now in her realm. Torva is able to pass between his realm and his physical body. The two are able to find Mary in her dreams because that is the closest place to their realms. And it is the only place they can find her while she wears the cloak which hides her. And they can find her that way easily because she's like their kid. Is that part of that? Yes, they are connected to her. Part of her power comes from each of them. They both wish to take control of that power. 
to overcome the other's part in her creation. But come, I have one more thing I wish to show you, Corbin. Okay. When we last spoke, and she's walking now, <laughs> she's leading you across this field of fog, and she says, when we last spoke, I said that there is something that you needed to accept, a truth that you would not want to know. Mm-hmm. And Corbin, she takes you into another vision. And it is two people on the edge of the forest at night, the great forest. You see Astra behind them in the distance. They both have necklaces which have a white eye painted on them. The man is crying as he lays a bundle in the arms of Demora, your mentor, Corbin. The woman takes the man's hand, and they both turn away. And when you draw closer, you see that the bundle is a baby with black eyes. Was I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> Pavia bends down, and she looks you in the eyes. Hers are pure white, yours pitch black. Wavell took something from you. I know that. But it was gone before he was part of your story. Remember it now. And she touches your forehead and you remember what you gave back to Wavell. You remember that some people leave a baby at the edge of the woods. It's fucked up. Who would do that? Um, Corbin, like, his big little eyes just, like, get really watery. He doesn't say anything. Because he doesn't know what to say. And he just cries a little bit. Your parents were the last of my listeners. The last of my order. And the last message I gave to them was to ask them to give you to the goddess that you served. But now, she is gone. And I need you to work toward the truth. Do you understand? Uh, Corbin nods his head really fast and like little tears come out. You are the last listener. Listen for my call. And then all four of you wake up. Oh, Corbin wanted a hug. God damn it. And uh, Corbin, you feel something in your hand and when you bring when you open your hand you see it is a necklace with a white eye on it uh corbin puts it on immediately and also starts crying again <laughs> whoa what happened corbin uh, it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine i'm fine we're cool uh, uh, are you sure mary signs corbin are you are you feeling an emotion i don't know what that is mary <laughs> Brianna's just like staring at the wall, but she like reaches out blindly and pats Corbin's hand. <laughs> Corbin like squeezes Fran's hand a little bit. I um I awkwardly and mechanically reach out my arm toward Corbin in attempt to pat him on the side, but I'm very hesitant because I'm not sure how he's going to react to that. Or if he's going to try to eat Darius. Yeah. Yeah, Corbin Corbin pulls you into like a big hug. Oh. I, I squeeze that little Corbin. <laughs> so Mary looks back at the body on the bed. It is unmoved, unchanged as it has for centuries. She signs, 
I think we need to leave this place now. That seems fair. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Can Corbin, like, touch the body's hand really quick before he goes? Yeah. Okay, Corbin wants to do that. It's cold as a statue. Mm. So, you guys head down the tower, which you see in a new light after watching the fall of this tower, watching the battle that raged through it. But you reach the bottom, and you put your masks on, your goggles on, and you prepare to face the world with more answers and yet more questions than you had when you came in here. want to know what the fuck i don't understand what kai wants with for or from torva i get that Torva's like obsessed with her or whatever yeah but like why i mean did she string him along because he brought her powerful objects like the sword yeah or like maybe she like used him i mean she kind of seems like, like she was just like into him yeah <laughs> It seems like maybe she was into him kind of like at first, and then she was like, no, you suck. Yeah. Well, it kind of seems like- And then she was like, but I'm still kind of into you. Yeah, but oh, you suck. But you suck so much I with mean, those black let's, teeth. You know what? Let's just think about it as like, 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 Torva was Phelan, and- <laughs> And we and were all was, Kai. Kai was us. <laughs> God damn it. I don't know. <laughs> That's fucking Fuck. me up. <laughs> Uh, it's true, and you should say it. <laughs> oh no! Fuck! Sometimes it's just how it is. It's true. <laughs> God damn it! See a boy with black teeth, <laughs> and you're like, mm. <laughs> you're just like, mm. get those black teeth on my teeth. Oh. <laughs> Click, clack them together. Oh, uh, mm. uh, anyway. If your 5th edition adventures take you deep into the dark woods, you'll want to check out the 5th edition Margrave Player's Guide from Cobalt Press. The old Margrave Forest is an ancient wood filled with magic, treasures, and dangers. This book gives you everything you need to journey into the Margrave, or the forests in your favorite campaign setting. You get three new playable races and forest-themed class options for barbarians, clerics, druids, rangers, rogues, warlocks, and wizards. You'll also find 13 new companion beasts, 
six new feats, and forty-five new spells. New magic items include Bracelet of the Fire Tinder, Circlet of Holly, and Sickle of Thorns. Look for the Margrave Player's Guide for 5th edition at your local game store, or buy it online at cobaltpress.com. Mm-hmm.